Thank you for joining me. I'm Professor Alistair Duff and this is the Research Rules Podcast. I've been going through the alphabet. I started with anonymity. I then covered bibliography. Last time I did copyright and this time I want to do design. Research design. So how do you go about doing a good research design? Well, you have to start with something you're interested in. You need to think of a topic that you would like to research. That might be economic cycles. It might be celebrity culture. Whatever it is you're interested in, that is the start. And you've then got to find some kind of gap. A gap that you think you might be able to fix. So you need to find some sort of angle on celebrity culture. Perhaps the use of avatars by celebrities, or some aspect of economic cycles. You don't have to be wildly original, except at PhD level, but you do have to give some sort of new angle. You might, say, cover a local celebrity, or you might replicate and update someone else's research. That is often legitimate. In order to refine your thinking, you've got to next do a literature search. And I strongly recommend, because I do it myself, starting with Google Scholar, keying in your words, your natural language, and finding what comes up. Now, of course, it covers some bad stuff, some garbage, but most of the hits will be of interest to you. And that can help, help excuse me, orientate your thinking. And then you move into your university library catalogue and do a proper systematic search using keywords, controlled vocabularies, and so on. You might even ask a librarian to help you. You'd be amazed at how much skill they've got, how much knowledge of information retrieval. Because, after all, they've all got master's degrees in information science. You might think you know everything about searching, but you don't. For example, did you know that ProQuest Dissertations and Theses Global, which I suspect you will have access to if you're associated with a university, under that, in that database you can search by supervisor. So you can find out who has supervised what across different institutions. And that, that's quite, really, quite interesting. And I don't think most people know that. So there is sophistication in searching using Boolean operators, using controlled vocabularies and so on. And if you're not too sure about that, do talk to library staff. The reason why you must do a literature search at the start is that you have to start, as Aristotle said, from what is known. You can't know what the gaps are, what isn't known, until you know what is known. So you start with what is known, you start by scanning the literature, not necessarily reading it all, but scanning it, and that will give you a sense of what you could contribute yourself to the literature. It will also help you with the specific methods that might be useful for your topic, because other scholars 
will have used certain methods and it is perfectly in order to use their methods if you cite them and no doubt you'll customize the method for your particular project. Then you are in a position to do the essential step of a research design and that is refine your topic into specific research questions, sometimes called research objectives. So you need to write down what specifically you're looking for and think about what kinds of evidence might answer your research questions. What would an answer look like? Think about that at the start of the planning process for your research project. If you want your research to take off, you need a good helipad. It needs to be sound and it needs to be well positioned. So once you've scanned the surrounding terrain and worked out some good research questions, your next job is to work out your approach. You need to consider a theoretical framework, a lens through which to look at your findings. And you'll get guidance on that from the literature. You might take a feminist approach, you might take a normative approach, you might take a socio-cultural approach. You need to think that through and decide whether you're going to approach it quantitatively or qualitatively. These are different ways of doing research or you can mix them and have a combination. But you need to think through your analytical framework because your research must have some level of texture, some level of sophistication if it's going to be successful, basically. Then you need to get down to the nitty gritty of your methodology and your methods. If you're in the humanities, you might well be doing purely conceptual or literary work. If it's at PhD level, you might be working with primary sources. If you're in other subjects like the social sciences and the vocational disciplines, you are likely to do some kind of empirical work. And in that case, you need to work out what empirical methods, what kinds of fieldwork you want to do. And you'll have to think about samples and populations. The population is the total number of people that you might be able to contact. Normally you can't go to a whole population, so you have to go to a sample. You select a sample. It's an amazing thing that you can find out the quality of an entire reservoir by just taking one cup of water out of it. That's called a random sample, often with student work at even up to PhD level, certainly at master's level, a purposive or convenient sample is satisfactory. I would recommend that you don't just go to your peers, don't just go to fellow students, try to find a more objective population and sample that. There was a researcher of the 50s and 60s called Lazarsfeld, and he intriguingly wanted to study American housewives and why they preferred Campbell's, Campbell's soup, excuse me. And then he studied them and tried to work out why they wanted to vote for John F. Kennedy. You could probably 
answer that. But you've got to think about your target, your contacts, your interviewees, or the people you want to survey, or the people you want to stick into some kind of focus group. So think about that and work out the methods. You might be asking, how many do I have to interview? How many surveys should I send out? Well, how long's a piece of string, to use the old cliche? But I would suggest that 10 is okay at master's level and 20 to 30 at PhD level. Very often that's interviews. And in terms of questionnaires, 300 returns, I think, would be acceptable at master's level. Actually, probably less. And 300 or 400 at PhD level. But you should take advice from your supervisor and look at precedents in the published literature. But of course, if you're doing a research degree, it doesn't have to be of quite the same standard as a refereed journal article. Actually, I'll correct that. You should aim for the same level as refereed research articles. Remember, the more data you get, the harder it is to, to digest it, the harder it is to manage it, to analyse it. And quite often students get too many returns and you don't really see that coming through in their write-up. So it's a question really of quality over quantity, even when you're using quantitative methods such as questionnaire surveys. And you then, this is still on your research design, you need to work out what instruments you're going to use. So you have to pay attention to the questions in your questionnaire, the questions on your interview schedule with which you interview people and so on you need to work out some decent research instruments. That is part of methodology, and that is part of sound research design. I would recommend that you actually pilot your research instruments, because you might find that your questions don't work very well. So pilot it, your questionnaire, your interview schedule, on someone or other, some innocent bystander, and then go back to it and see if it can be adjusted. So sometimes you have to redesign your research design. Then you've got to work out costs and logistics because research takes time, research takes sometimes money, it takes planning, it's like visiting a foreign capital. You really do have to prepare. One of very interesting piece of research I did was in Silicon Valley in California. You know, the home of Facebook, Google, PayPal, all of them, really, all the great companies of today. And I'd been lecturing on this subject for 20 years, and I thought I'd better go out there and find out what it's really like in the valley. Now, that was extremely difficult to plan because one of my proposed interviewees refused to meet me in the valley he actually lived north of the Golden Gate Bridge. So I had to hire a car, which obviously is difficult. And it involved me driving through rush hour traffic in San Francisco, going across the Golden Gate Bridge, going into Marin County and finding his house in the middle of nowhere. And in fact, I had to practice on an automatic car because in the, in the United States, they only have automatic cars, at least the higher cars are all automatic. So I had to practice at home 
in Britain using an automatic car. Otherwise, I'd have driven out of San Francisco airport and crashed, probably. So that was expensive and difficult. One of the most difficult things I've ever done, actually. So you really need to think things through. What's it going to involve in practice? How much might it cost me? And so on. These are issues of logistics and they should be should be built into a sound research design. A final thing you need to think about, of course, is ethics. That has to be designed in at the start. Don't believe what the Sun newspaper once said, which is that ethics is just a lively county somewhere to the east of London. No, ethics is terribly important. You'll be expected to have research integrity in your research design and in the way you work out your research, in the way you store your data and all these things. So you need to think through, especially if you're working with people. People are not, are not just research subjects, they're not just objects, they aren't just numbers. People are human beings and their interests have to be put first. So think through the ethics of your research right at the start. All these things go together to make up a sound, potentially successful research design. As I said a minute or two ago, it's like a helipad. It needs to be well positioned. You need to have scanned the surrounding terrain through your literature search, where you will pick up ideas for methodology, methods, instruments. You'll get ideas about the research ethics of what you're doing. Put this all together, sound research questions, an overall analytical framework, a methodology, methods and research instruments all in an ethical way and then you will have a great research design. So I hope you found this useful. This is the pathway to successful research. I've done it myself and I do hope you will enjoy doing research. Let your research take off from a solid base of research design. Thank you for listening. Next time, I'm probably going to talk about ethics because that comes under E, doesn't it? This is Professor Alistair Duff and the Research Rules Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you.